I was in the Netherlands this week. It was it was so it, it was an interesting trip because um, the commute to get there was longer than my time there. So it was yeah a little weird. Uh, I flew and traveled for about 24 hours uh, to get there. Uh, stayed two nights. I think I was there collectively maybe like 36 hours or so, and then I got back in the plane, traveled another 24 hours. To come home so uh, kind of brutal you know honestly like not the best uh, to travel that much so quickly but I got to be honest with you guys I felt overjoyed to do it to be a part of something really special that God is doing both in the Netherlands and throughout all of Europe I was at an event there called the Dunamis Greenhouse, and 32 nations came together. There were 32 nations represented in the student body. It wasn't a huge school. It was a smaller school. I don't know how many people were there, uh, maybe 100 or something like that. Uh, but 32 nations represented all gathered for one reason, Jesus. And from that place to go after revival and reformation in the continent of Europe. So I want you guys to know there are spirit-filled, on-fire believers in Europe going after the very things that I feel like God's put on our heart to go after here in Nashville, Tennessee. They're all over the world. God's doing some amazing stuff on planet Earth. You guys know that, right? We're not just the only ones that get to participate in this beautiful thing called the kingdom of Jesus. There's people all over the world um, that are that are going after it, and I got to be a part of that this week. And I want to say thank you guys for sending me. Thank you guys for allowing me uh, to go and to spend time. I spoke twice there, super fun. I talked about my favorite topic ever, which is changing the world. So um, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Um, I always love when I watch a preacher or a pastor speak at their home church and they say, is it okay if we just have a family moment this morning? Yeah. And I'm, I'm always like, yeah, that's awesome. I love like listening in on family moments. Uh, and I'm going to kind of do the same thing this morning, if that's all right. Is it okay if we have a family moment this morning? Uh, and if you're not a part of the family, we extend that invitation to you. Jump in, be a part. And if you're not a part of the family, then just pretend like you are for today. Okay? Just, you're in. All right? We're Iris family, so you're here. All right? And so the reason I uh, preface it as such is because I want to talk about movement level leadership. And uh, this is not really a message that I would travel out and preach on, but it is a message I wanted to share with you guys um, as family, because this word has occupied my spirit uh, since last Sunday when Pastor Teofilo was here to preach to us. How many of you guys were a part of that? It's like six people. That's awesome. Where in the world were the rest of you guys? All right. Um, it was amazing. So much fun. And I uh, love the word that he brought on chasing mavericks, mavericks and riding waves and, and, and doing all this crazy cool stuff in the kingdom of God. But every week, every day this week, uh, I, just in my prayer time and just like on my heart was this word movement. And uh, how many of you guys know what a movement is, right? Like a movement is a, is a large group of people that are going after the same thing. I'll actually read you the definition. Uh, movement is, number one, a change or development. So when we talk about movement, uh, you have to think about transformation. How many of you guys would like to transform your sphere of influence? 
I'm going to need more hands. Come on, guys. How many of you guys would like to transform your family for the better, right? How many of you guys would like to transform your home, your neighborhood, your city, your state, your nation, your university, your job? How many of you guys would like to bring Jesus transformation to your sphere of influence, right? So we're asking God, we want, we want to move. We prayed, we prayed, we sang it this morning. So how are we going to do that? Right. Number two, uh, part of that definition is this, a group of people working together to advance their shared political, social or artistic ideas and a campaign undertaken by a group of people that are all working together. So if we're going to be a part of a movement and I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a movement. Anybody else in here? I I really want to be a part of a movement. Uh, You got you you got to see two things are going to be a part of a movement. Number one is change and transformation which we've said we all want. And number two is a group of people working together collectively as a team, as a family, going after that transformation in unity together. So how many of you want to be a part of a group, a community, a family, a church, working together in unity, going after seeing a move of Jesus in our generation that writes history and changes the world? That's a pretty big invitation. But how many of you know that history is supposed to be different because you are alive? Like when I go to mission schools, I love to set the bar really low and say this. Anything less than world change is compromise. Set it super low, you know, because because I want people to believe. I want you to believe with all of your heart that history is supposed to be different because you are alive. I want you to believe with everything in you that because the God of the universe occupies your spirit and has taken up residence in your life, you are possessed by the greatest change agent that exists, ever will exist. And his name is Jesus. Right. So what is it that you cannot not do being fully possessed by the man, Jesus Christ? Turn to your neighbor, say, think bigger. I haven't quite convinced you guys yet. But think bigger. So um, all this week, I've, I've like woken up in the middle of the night and I've just been like movement, movement. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, legacy is supposed to be a movement church. Does that scare you? Scares me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, okay, Lord. Like, that's awesome. I love that. I love movement. Can I I tell you guys a secret? So in 2010 was when I began to pray about planting a church. Now, I was a missionary. I didn't really want to be a pastor. The Lord kind of trick me into being a pastor, you know, like he was like, let me just get the conditions right. And then boom, you know, lead this community. And that's how I became a pastor kind of. And, uh, but I was dreaming about pastoring a local church. I will be honest. I was dreaming about pastoring a local church. And long before the name legacy came around, uh, I had written down a bunch of notes about the type of church that I would long to lead if I was a local church pastor. And guess what I named the church, the movement church. Serious. This resurfaced in my heart this week as God kept speaking to me about it. And I remember I was on my way to see my friend Sean Bowles in LA and I was writing all of these notes down on the air, in the airplane and it was like the movement church. And I just started writing about all these things that I wanted to see happen. And uh, this year, our team, we did an exercise called the dream napkin. Uh, how many of you guys know that the best ideas ever come out on napkins? Oh, yeah. 
It's true, man. We were, uh, so this week, like I said, we were in Rotterdam. And I'm saying that wrong. How do you, prop- how do you properly pronounce it? That's it. That's how you properly. Matai, you're going to help me preach this message today, man. Come on. And uh, so we were there. And, um, and, and T says, hey, uh, Pastor Teofilo, he said, hey, you want to go with me to this meeting? It just so happens that the architect that we have um, doing the project, Dunamis University, uh, from Brazil, just happens to be in Rotterdam. And I want to take you to the meeting. And we're going to sit down and we're going we're gonna to discuss what Dunamis University is going to look like. Now, I, I was not prepared for this. This is like, these guys built the Supreme Court in Holland. Like, they are, they've built, like, museums and libraries in Germany. Like, I mean, this place was awesome. And uh, we walk in, and we're talking about it, and I am so impressed by this group of people. And they start showing, like, pictures. They're like, hey, here's how big Dunamis University is. And for scale, like, here's some of the biggest universities in America. Yeah, like it's like it's like a third of the size. The Sao Paulo University uh, was like three fourths of the size. They're like, I don't think you guys understand like Dunamis University, a, a legitimate university, not just a school of ministry. Like you can go there to become a doctor. OK, is going to have 10,000 students. That's what they're dreaming about. And it's going to be the largest and only spirit field university in all of South America. This is awesome, right? So I'm sitting here with my friend, you know, and uh, he introduced me. He's like, yeah, this is Lyle. He leads our U.S. division. I'm like, no, I don't. You know, I'm like, I'm like and he kind of like looks and gives me a little wink. You know, he's like, you do, you do. You're my, you're, you're part of Dunamis. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I do. Yeah, that's right. What's up, man? How you doing? You know, and, um, and so, uh, you know, you friends, you do that, you're running together for a while. And so we're, 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 we're there and we're looking at all these, uh, the, the master plans. Man, they, they do stuff I'd never heard of. They look at like the solar winds, the topography for where the housing is going to be. Guys, they're building a, a coliseum, a soccer coliseum that's 100,000 square foot. So, a soccer stadium. That's the only thing. I'm like, this is a movement. Right? I mean, like, this is a move, man. You know, it's like we sang about it today. This is a move. And, and I walk, I'm like, this is a movement. And we went out to dinner. They asked us to, to go to dinner. And uh, we sat down and guess what came out? The napkin. And they're like, we could do this and we could do that and we could do this. And I'm like, the dream napkin, man. Like, this is such, this is always relevant. And this year, the team and I, we, we sat down, Alice and I, we sat down with the team and, and we all just, we passed out napkins. And we said, we want you to write down like your biggest, most audacious, crazy, weird, wild dreams. I want you to write them down on the napkin. I want you to think about it. I want you to sit around in prayer about it. You don't need a like a worship session. Just like what comes up? What, what's at the core level of your heart? And I'm asking you this question right now, very honestly. What is at the core level of your heart of what you're dreaming about doing? What's, what, what is the vision, the dreams, the wild imagination that, that God has put in you for you to dream? I mean, I'm talking big, massive dreams. The dreams that you had as a kid. The dreams that you've now shelved. Because you're like, well, I'm older, I'm more mature, I guess I should give up on that stuff. No, no, no. I'm talking about the God-sized dreams. The kind of dreams that you cannot accomplish in your own strength. I'm talking about massive dreams that are so big that unless God shows up, there's no way you succeed. Like, they're so much bigger than you. And the dream napkin exercise goes like this. Once you've written those things down, and guys, you know what I wrote down? Lord, I want to see a movement. 
I want to see a movement of people commissioned as missionaries to do the great commandment and the great commission to grow the family of God, our mission statement here. Like, God, I want to see this all over the world. I want, I want to plant churches on churches. I want us to do a school. You know, it's like all these things I'm just writing down on the dream napkin. Now, here's the dream napkin exercise. It's not writing down your goals alone. That's a great start. Some of us, guys, you need to go home today and do that. Not getting any amens, but listen. I understand sometimes dreaming is a little bit intimidating because we've been so hurt in the past. So we've shut down our dreamer, right? But look, look at the person next day. Dream bigger. Think bigger. So here's, here's the dream napkin exercise. So whatever you write down, right, try to give it a numeric value. Try to quantify it. Like what would it look like if you're dreaming about, man, I want to I wanna earn this much income. I want to leave this much as an inheritance for my kids' kids. You know, whatever it is, however you can quantify it. So you write that down, right? Now, here's the exercise. 10 exit. Multiply it by 10. Multiply it by 10. Because that's God-sized dreams right there. And then once you multiply it by 10, here's what you understand. There is no way I can do this. You're right. Because you need a family. You need a community. You need a friend group. You need some disciples. And you need to be discipled. Because there is no way, if your dream can be accomplished with you and it's all about you it's not a god dream all right if it's if it, if your biggest dreams only affect you they're not god dreams because your biggest dreams god dreams wild dreams and holy heavenly imaginative dreams should leave the world a better place they should transform neighborhoods they should transform communities they should transform cities they should transform nations they should transform universities like we have to begin to think bigger if we're going to be world changers, if we're really going to do, guys, what I feel like God's called us to do, both individually and collectively as a family. I believe one of the reasons why, you know, young people in church, old people in church, whatever age you might be, are bored is because we've, we've uh, fallen off of this holy, heavenly, imaginative dreaming with God where we actually dream for like seismic, huge, massive things to happen in our lifetime. And so now we're just like, we've settled in and decided that we'll warm the bench for the next 20, 30, 40 years until Jesus takes us home and call that Christianity, yeah. right? But, but we have to be able to dream bigger and say, no, no, I am a part of something. I, I've, I, when I was little, I wanted to be a president. I wanted to be an astronaut. I, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer. Like, you know, and now as we get older, we just, we're like, it's fine. It's all good. It's no problem. Like, I'm talking about all of the dreams you've ever had. The dreams, and, and 10X them, man. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Is this intimidating for you guys? No. Are we going too big, too quick? On Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.? No, I, 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 this is an identity thing. Yeah. You know, how many of you guys know there's a war going on for your imagination? Yes. yes. It's true. There's a war going on for your imagination. You know, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, uh, it, God wants to do more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But I think the enemies try to convince us that we don't matter. We can't make a difference. We're not a big person. We'll never be a leader. We'll never be a world changer. We'll never be a catalyst for transformation. We should just accept our role. And how's this? Hashtag stay in your lane. Right? Stay in your lane. That's what we hear. Those are the things we hear. Be content with your capacity. How do you know what your capacity is? 
I mean, who gets to define your capacity? You or God? Who gets to define your capacity? You know, your, your teachers at school or God? Who gets to define your capacity? Your parents, what they spoke over you as kids? Your coaches, what they spoke over you as a teenager or God? Who gets to define your capacity? Social media or God? Like, how do you even know what your capacity is unless you've challenged it? Unless you've come to the end of it and you're like, that's it. And the Lord's like, let's take you beyond. That's what God wants to do. I believe with all my heart that God wants us, believes in us enough to plant us here in Nashville, Tennessee, that we could go from Nashville to the nations, that we could dream big, that we could dream for transformation in our city, that we could dream for the next serve day to be 160 people and 10 ministries affected, that we can dream for, you know, as we go into this new space and this new church for thousands of people to get saved there. Why not? Right? Why not? Like, don't you know that God wants to do something epic through your life? He wants to write history through your life. You may be counting yourself out. Ah, you know, I don't have any kind of pedigree. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, God loves to use the foolish things to confound the wise. I'm from a village called Sacramento, Kentucky with no stoplights. Like the less that it is, the less that you have to work with, God's like, yeah, that's my style. Right there. He likes that. So, you know, I think that movement, movement, like a large transformation, like a big seismic transformation. Like how many of you guys know that the gospel itself is a divine challenge to the world as it is? Yes. Like the, if you read it right, you're like, yep, this is challenging. You know why? Because Jesus came with a purpose. Uh, Luke 19 and 11 said that he came to seek and to save the lost, right? He came to bring transformation to the human heart, to the human spirit, the soul, right? So that we could become a catalyst for transformation all throughout the world. Go preach the gospel, right? So this is what's been preoccupying my prayers all week. I'm like, movement, movement. What? Lord, this is, I got to share this with the family. And I was a little intimidated to share this with you guys, honestly, because, and I even told Maggie, because Maggie's preaching next week. I was like, hey, you know, honestly, I know I can say whatever I want because I'm in charge, but like clean this up afterwards. Like next week, you know, like if I'm going too big, like get practical and like, you know, put the, <laughs> you know, because we're not just a ministry, right? So we work together, you know, and, and I realized that when I get excited and I get filled with the spirit, I get real vision centric. I'm like, we can do it. Charge the hill, take the mountain, kill the giant. We only have one slingshot. Yes, that's the better. 5,000, no food. Long John Silver's kids meal. Yes. Right? It's like, let's go. And, and, I, and I like that. And I, I really feel like that, that God has brought so much strength to our body. I mean, guys, if we did a serve day last year and 80, there was no way 80 people were showing up. There was no way we had five ministries to serve. There was no way. I mean, guys, our body has matured so much. I really felt like it's the Holy Spirit. Like, I really do. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord's like, no, you need to talk like this again. It's like, hey, you need, to, you need to dream big again. Like, think bigger. Like, look at the person next to you. Think bigger. We need to think bigger. And um, so, you know, I think that movement was at the heart of Jesus. Matthew 16 and 18 said, and I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I believe with all my heart that Jesus knew exactly what he was saying whenever he gave this declaration. It wasn't like, man, I'm going to plant one church, see how it goes. Right? I'm going to plant one church, Peter, you're going to be the Pope. We'll figure it out. 
You know, it's like, dude, we are going to go after global transformation. We're going to lead humanity, the human race, into a God encounter so that we can be brought back into our original design, our identity to have fellowship with our creator. Like Jesus definitely had movement at, the, at his heart whenever he began to talk about the church. And I wanted to read a scripture from Acts chapter 2. Like if Jesus didn't have movement at the heart whenever he declared he was planting a church, then these things wouldn't have happened. So Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 47. Now when they heard uh, this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say revival. I mean, this is happening, right? This is revival. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord your God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Uh, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Everybody say revival. revival. Guys, we have pre biblical precedent to see revival in our lifetime. We have biblical precedent to see massive harvest happen in our generation. Like there, there, we have biblical precedent for this, right? And so 3,000 people got saved. And look at this, man. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. This is supernatural. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So you got Sunday in small groups right there. Boom. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor. I gave it my best preacher voice. Favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. How many of you guys want to see people day by day getting saved in our community? I mean, for us to really see the, the, these kinds of things, right, we, we've got we've to detox from something, which is selfishness, yes. right? Like we've got to detox from a faith that says, my faith is all about me, myself, and I. Yeah. Yeah. I come to church for me and for my family rather than for God and for his family, yeah. right? We've got to detox from this idea that our faith is just about me, myself, and I. And um, I'm going to read to you guys. I have six points. Is that cool? It's kind of a lot of points. But I didn't feel comfortable just like getting up here and verbally dreaming. Like, oh, man, we could do this. We could do that. We read the scriptures. This is awesome. This is great. I've done that in the past. And I realized something. That, you know, a good leader can enmission somebody. Now, what I mean by that is this. A mission, in my opinion, I know there are experts who might differ in this opinion, but a mission is the why, right? Why are you doing something? Why are you doing something, right? And, and a mission or a why, in my opinion, starts a lot in the emotional realm, right? And so somebody that's a good leader, they can get up and they can admission people. They can say, here's why we're going to do this. Here's why we're going to go after setting the captive free. Look at these pictures, 
You know, these kids that are trapped in human trafficking, here's why. And people get emotional and they cry and they're like, sign me up. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I say, yes, I will go. Anybody ever been a part of a meeting like that before? That's awesome. I realize, like, honestly, if I, I, I'm doing my best to be self-aware here, I'm, I'm pretty good at that. Because I'm, I'm good at, like, emotional, like, I'll cry. I should cry more. Honestly, Lou Engle said there's not going to be public reaping without public weeping. Right? And the gift of tears is a genuine gift. Right? Like those who sow in tears will reap with joy. Right? And so some people are asking God for joy, but they're so afraid of becoming vulnerable enough in the presence of God to actually shed a tear. But there's a gift that comes as a result of that. Right? And so getting emotional, being broken, somebody, here's why we're doing it. But I believe a great leader, and this is what I feel like I'm growing in. Once again, just doing my best to be self-aware. I feel like I'm growing in this and, and I'm getting better at this. They can envision people. They can envision people, which is to go beyond the why and go into the what. Right? Because if we all get emotional, we all get passionate, we all get excited, we're like, we're going to take the hill, we're going to build this thing for God. Well, if we show up and nobody has any blueprints, then everybody just builds according to their own desire. And then we never build anything in unity, we never build anything together that will last very long because we're all working on our individual projects, aka our individual ministries, aka our individual programs, and nothing has cohesiveness, nothing is symbiotic, and we can't really do a movement because we don't know what we're building. We don't see anything, which is why I like what for vision rather than why, because vision is about what you see. It's about what you build. It's about what you construct. And all week long, I've just been getting hit by the Holy Spirit in the airplane. I was just getting hit by the Holy Spirit. Air France does not have good movies. I had a great, a, a lot of time to pray. So I was like, man, I was just getting hit. I was like, man, you know, we can build something awesome. Like, look at all these awesome people. Like, I was thinking of, like, specific names. I mean, my wife and I this morning, we were in bed looking through Instagram and just your guys' posts. We're like, isn't that person awesome? Isn't that person great? Wow, that person's awesome. Like, when we look around at our family, guys, we are really impressed by you guys because you're such incredible people. And we are really honored that we have the opportunity to serve you guys because we're like, where did all of these awesome leaders come from? Look at all these amazing people. This is incredible. Wow. And, you know, what I'm realizing is the first step to building something great, and, and there, there's probably many steps, but, you know, the first step is what I've already mentioned. You've got to bust out of that bubble of me, myself, and I. Guys, if, if you want to go after changing the world, you want to you dream and dream big and do something great, look, you've got to bust out of the bubble of me, myself, and I. Okay. That's not what point. Uh, this is a sub point to my points. I'm going to get to the six points in just a minute. Number two is we've got to move beyond addition and we've got to move into reproducing. Okay. So reproducing. The reason why I'm, I'm saying reproducing is because I believe that is actually what we're doing through our leadership school. I, I really do. Because what we have is leadership school. We have 153 students. I think it is. Come on. Wow. Let's go. I'm, man, I'm so excited about that. And, um, you know, we're reproducing. We're, we're, you know, someone is sharing, we're teaching, we're leading, uh, you know, and, and people are becoming uh, bigger leaders. And, and what we're doing is we're moving beyond addition, like just somebody showing up on a Sunday and visiting and saying, this is a pretty cool place. I think I'm going to stay, you know, into reproducing. We're saying, okay, it's not just, you know, my four and no more on the leadership team. It's like, dude, let's raise up 153 leaders. 
right? Like you have a call, you have a gift, you have a talent, you are anointed. Let's raise you up as a leader. Uh, but then let's go beyond that. And the third layer, we got to go beyond reproducing to multiplication. How do we go from reproducing to multiplication is a good thought. And I've been praying about that and I'm asking the Lord and I'm reading some books about it. I'm like, okay, God, how do we do that? I feel like I found a key. All right. And that is moving beyond the whole like, hey, you came to leadership school. That's awesome. But now you're having your own leadership school in the context of your home, discipling people throughout the week, week by week, month by month, not just systematically, but relationally. Right. So I think in the West, we think a lot about discipleship being systematized. And I think you have to have that element in order to do it well. But I think discipleship, if you look at how Jesus did it, he didn't just set up a school. He didn't write a book. He didn't create curriculum and say, "Okay, Peter, when I'm gone, take people through these steps. They'll be good. No, he said, look, take people to yourself. Right. Have relationship. Be in covenant friendship with one another. Give your life for each other. Love one another as I have loved you. Wash one another's feet. It was like this relational element. And I think that's why we have to bust out of that bubble of me, myself and I, because if it's all about you, you'll never wash dirty feet. And the type of kingdom leaders that God is raising up to pioneer movements in the earth are the type of people who busted out of that bubble. They've gone beyond addition. They've gone beyond reproduction and they've moved into multiplication as a result of giving their life away and not just from a distance one-on-one is this good so far i'm just we're having a family moment i got six points in eight minutes can i do it no i can't you guys have too much faith in me i'm gonna be honest with you i'm probably gonna go over a couple minutes all right okay let's systematize it worship team's got to come up in a moment all right i got six points you guys ready for this all right who's like yeah i'm in all right 14 people i come on who's in Let's go. Thank you, Seth. I love having you up here, by the way. We got to get Seth up here in the amen corner more often. This is powerful for my... Feel good. My heart feels good. All right, here's my six points, okay? If we're going to have this kind of transformation in our city, number one, we got to settle this in our heart. Number one, Jesus is Lord. Okay, here's why I say that, because I have a simple question. Simple question. Write it down. Are you living for God or are you living for yourself? I mean, it's a simple question, but I want to ask you a genuine question. I want to ask you to genuinely investigate your own heart. Are you living for yourself? Are you living for God? Because one communicates, Jesus is Lord. The other one says, I'm Lord. So I'm I'm just asking you, I'm asking you a real question. I'm asking you to search your heart. I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to ask yourself, am I living for myself Or am I living for God? Whose mission are you on with your life? Are you on Jesus' mission? Are you on a kingdom mission? Or are you in the the bubble of me, myself, and I? I'm on my mission. I go to church to enhance my life. You know, it's like taking an e-course online. It's like I'm I'm enhancing my life. I want to raise my kids to be, have good moral values. These are all good things. But we can do all of those things and Jesus not be our constant Lord, day in and day out, being on mission with the Lord. Didn't get a whole lot of amens out of that one, but I understand. But you know what? It's also not about being on your own personal mission. It's also about being on the mission of the family. Yes. I expect this to go over even decreasingly well as that last point went over. Okay, I understand that. I prepped for that. It's okay. I brought my own Holy Ghost. And so, like, honestly, like, part of your purpose is wrapped up in the purpose of your community. Yes. I'm just going to leave that there for a minute. 
Part of your purpose is wrapped up in the purpose of your family. Like God gives individual mission, but he also gives corporate mission to family. And part of your purpose is helping the family, being a part of the family in such a way where you pursue corporate purpose. You say, man, this is what God's calling the family to. I'm in. I'm going, yeah, I've got my sphere of influence to steward. Yeah, I'm in the business world. You know, I'm in government. I'm, I'm, I, whatever your realm is, right? I'm in the education sector. Whatever your realm is, you've got to steward that. You've got to go after that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the arts and entertainment sector. Like, go after that, right? But then there's also a corporate mission. And we buy into that. We say, you know what? This is what God is speaking over the family, and I'm going to be a part of that. That's how we do movement. Remember what movement is? It's a group. You, you, lone rangers don't do movements. Right? You know, you know what also lone rangers rarely do? Leave legacies. Because when, when, when your ministry, uh, when your business, when your organization is all about you, nobody wants to carry it on after you die. Right? You're like, nah, I'm, I'm good actually. Okay, you guys ready for point two? I've already mentioned this, so I'm going to move to it quick. Number two, you must be devoted to discipleship. And if we're going to be, if, if we're going to see like movement level leadership, if you're going to be a movement level leader, there's two things in regards to being devoted to discipleship that you must do. Number one, it's a great question. Am I being discipled? Is there anybody that has been given permission to speak into my heart and my spiritual formation in such a way where you've said, hey, I invite you to call me higher. And I'm okay with it. I, it might hurt a little bit. It, it might like be uncomfortable for a moment, but I know that your motive is to love me. Your motive is to see me grow. Your motive is to see me bear fruit. You're not trying to control me. You're not trying to manipulate me. You're trying to champion me into my destiny because guys, we cannot... Move into our destiny all alone by ourselves. We need the Lord. We need the body. Right? And then on the other hand, who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into? You know, I think we've, 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 we've got to come to this idea where, where church is where we go and we get transformed at church and we, we hear messages and we get to grow and we're formed and we might have some personal devotion, but it's got to bleed over into it becoming real day in and day out and how you walk out your relationships that you're like, man... So, yeah, pour into me. I'm, I'm inviting you. But also, I'm pouring into you. Like, I'm pouring into somebody. Who are you actively right now discipling? Who are you pouring into? Guys, we're, we're doing grow groups next year. We're going to talk about that soon. You know, our small groups. We're going to do a lot of discipleship there. Uh, but you don't have to wait for a program to do what Jesus has already invited you into. You don't have to wait for the church to do discipleship for you. You are empowered and anointed by the Holy Spirit to do what God has called you to do. And part of that is to disciple other people and to be discipled. And this is a place I think, where, I, I think personally, guys, I think this is where legacy is actively currently growing. Okay, and I think we're going to grow a lot more here in the future. All right. All the leaders are like, amen. Everybody's like, I'm just checking this place out, man. (laughs) Number three, we must become missionaries to the culture. All right, we we must become missionaries to the culture. Uh, Jesus became like those that he was called to serve and to save. 
right? Jesus is the greatest missionary that ever lived, and he never preached the gospel outside of his home country. Right? If we're counting Israel. But if we're counting heaven, right, which we should, because he came from heaven, he was sent by the Father, right, to the earth, and he became a missionary to humanity, meaning he took on flesh. John 4, 24, God is a spirit, right? He could have descended as an angel or something, right? And preached the message of the gospel. But he took on flesh. He became a human being. He became dependent upon his own mother. He became like us to serve us and to save us. And we have to be mindful. We have to be creative. We have to be relevant to the culture to become enough like the culture. We've all heard the, the statement, be in the world, but not of the world, right? This takes some divine creativity. We have to step into culture enough to where we're relevant and relatable to the people we're called to serve and to save. We're not just religious people coming down off the mountain to beat the people over the head with the word of God. I have the commandments, you know, but we become relevant. That's why we painted this building black in East Nashville. It's like, we're probably not going to paint the next one black, but look, it made sense right here. <laughs> it's creative ways of reaching people. So I think it's important that we do not get married to old models and old styles. We have to lean into the God who's the God of the future. We have to lean into the God who's pioneering the church into the future. It's going to look different today than it looked 20 years ago. And you know what? In 10 years from now, it's going to look way different than it looks right now. Amen. And for some of us, that's scary. But don't, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If we can partner with divine creativity and say, God, what does it look like to serve the culture in this day and age? It might look different. It is going to look different. But how can we be creative in how we evangelize people, Right. All right, point four, we must be willing to take risk and embrace suffering. It seems as though this keeps getting harder, doesn't it? But we said, yes, that's me. I want to be a world changer. You got to be willing to take risk and embrace suffering. If we're really going to do this stuff, risk has got to be involved and we have to be okay with getting uncomfortable at times. We have to be okay at at being inconvenienced. I've mentioned this before, but anytime you enlarge your preferences, you diminish your promises, right? But anytime you diminish your preferences, you enlarge your promises. I'm not saying that you'll never have any of your preferences meet, uh, met, but if, if your life is all about comfort and you have this list of preferences in order to do anything, you're probably not going to step into the fullness of your promises because promises require risk. And there's going to be times where you're going to have to jump off the cliff not knowing if, if you're going to land or not. And you say, man, I trust God. There's going to be times people are going to say stuff about you, push back. People are going to leave. People are going to reject you. People are going to be mean to you. Right? And you have to say, but, but I trust God. I'm purposed to pour out. I've got something on my life. I've got, I'm, I'm called to write history. I'm called to change. I'm, I'm called to make the world a better place. I'm called to leave this place different than I found it. Yeah. See, so embrace the suffering and you take the risk and you give God a blank check and you're like, yes, yeah. fill it out with my life. What do you want? Yes. I'm in. Yes. Okay, point five increased empowerment. I was hesitant to share point five and point six, but 
I'm sharing it, okay? Because I just want to broadcast this out there. And if anything, ask for point five and point six to be a point of prayer for our family, okay? So point five, increased empowerment. I think that we, we must, I know that we must. It's not even I think. We must become more mindful of the five-fold ministry in the church body, right? Because God has given gifts to the church, apostles and prophets, whom he says, look, uh, I have built the church on apostles and prophets, whom Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, right? And so there are folks among us, guys, who are dreamers and they're builders and they're strategic and they have blueprints and they're, they have an apostolic gifting. Maybe they don't have the office of the apostle, but I'm, you know, maybe they have the gifting of like, I can build and I know how to build. I'm looking for you. What about the prophets that are around us? What about you weird, mystical, strange, creative and artistic dreamers among us? Like, you know what? This could be possible. We're like, that's crazy. But it sounds like it's from the Lord. It encourages me. You know, I like people to prophesy over me that I'm like, that is too much. I know that's the Lord. Right? You know what I mean? I'm looking for you. Prophetic people, dreamers, visionaries, vision-centric, creative people. You don't make sense to the world, but you make sense to heaven. Like you're tapped into a different realm. You're like, nothing shall be impossible. Here's the word of the Lord. Here's where we're headed. Here's what's forthcoming. I'm looking for you. How about the evangelist? How about the people who just cannot help but to share Jesus with the lost? Like, you know, you heard about what Todd did. Rick was talking about it through Serve Day. Where are those people? I'm looking for you guys. Like, I think there's an updraft of empowerment. It started with leadership school. It started this year. And it's going to, dude, it's going to crest. I'm telling you, I believe that with all my heart. There's going to be more empowerment. But, you know, empowerment doesn't just look like me empowering you. It looks like you empowering me, too. Right? I know I'm not qualified to lead some of you in here. Some of you I am, some of you I'm not, all right? I'll be honest, I know, right? But I'm anointed to, right? Because God's asked Allison and I to pastor the church here. So it's like, hey, it doesn't make sense, but that's the way God works. So like, I want to ask some of you guys, if you're like, this is my church, I'm going to ask you a real question. Am I your pastor? You know, or do we just pastor the church that you attend? Right? We, we, to do empowerment, we got to do it both ways. And say, yeah, I'm a part of this. I'm ready. And if we're not, and you're like, why haven't they empowered me? There's your answer. All right, point six. Here we go. And the worship team's coming up. Um, increased organization. Told you I was hesitant. All right. If I was hesitant about any point, it was this one. I really wish Maggie was in the front row right now. I need her. I need her help. Your grace, all about this. You are right here. I know you are, sis. Increased organization. And I'm I'm not going to go deep into this, but the reality is if we're going to have the appropriate results, we have to have the appropriate systems and structures to carry out those results. And I think in the past, guys, this is where we've been really weak. This is where I've been really weak because, you know, I, I probably more function a lot of times, you know, prophetically and I dream apostolically, but like, I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Who cares? How it, who cares about the system? Who cares about the food? The kids will be fine. You know, like they'll be fine. 
I'm a product of Heidi Baker. Okay, listen, my spiritual mom, I get it honestly. That is her. She's like, no flashlights, no food, no problem. Let's pioneer into this village where there are dangerous monkeys. You know, like, it's fine. There will be something there. We'll preach the gospel, you know? See, you see what I'm saying? So, like, look, that we need that. Those of you guys, some of you guys are really organized in here. Some of you guys just think differently, you know? Looking at Wendy, it's like, some of you guys are thinking. We want you active. Like, we want you, like... Let's go. Let's build this thing. If we're going to do it together, it's got to be done as a community. It's got to be done in unity. It's got to be done in empowering. It doesn't always make sense, but guys, I think, I think this is what God, this is the word of the Lord. All right. For Sunday, legacy is a movement church. And, um, you know, I, I want you to dream and dream bigger. I want you to think and think bigger. I want you to get inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings inspiration. The Holy Spirit brings motivation. The Holy Spirit moves upon our imagination and says, man, life is so much better than I thought it could be. Like if you feel like you've crested, you've peaked, you've hit your high watermark in life, you're like, it's probably not going to get any better than that. Probably not going to be get any better than when, you know, my first child was born. Or probably not going to get any better than when I got married. Or it's probably not going to get any better than when this thing happened or when I got that promotion or that big check came through. Like, can I, can I ask you to upgrade your thinking? The best is yet to come. It's not just a cute bumper sticker. Like it's a heavenly reality. It's God's truth over your life. Everything that God has done in your past, it's amazing. But God has plans to outdo himself. Amen. So let's stand. I want to, I want to pray into this. I appreciate you guys celebrating this prophetic word today. Uh, honestly, I think it is a prophetic word. Do you guys agree? My wife said that she agreed. And honestly, you know, she's the one that's really in charge here. And so uh, when she's like, yep, that's the right way. I'm like, yep, that's the right way. That's what, that's what uh, Pastor Banning told me the last time he was here. He's like, you know, you should really listen to your wife more often. Like, All right. Yes, sir. You got it. So if she's feeling it, I know it's the Lord. All right, Lord, we thank you for today. And we thank you um, that you've given us the privilege of knowing you. I mean, guys, does it get any sweeter? than just simply knowing Jesus. And for those of us that need to make that decision in our heart today that Jesus is Lord, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. If you're far from God, you're lost, you're in sin, you just need to come home, you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, or you want to just get saved for the first time. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you, just lift your hand in here. I want to pray with you right now. Awesome. See you guys. Amazing. Anybody else see you? Great. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hey, today's your day. Today's your day to rededicate your life. Jesus is Lord. That's the confession that you're making. Could we all pray together? Say, Jesus, you're Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit. From this day forward, I belong to you and you alone. Amen.